0: You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What is up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here, our expert panel, to talk to you about the July trends for Denver, color springs and pueblo so we got full house today got joe massey travis beer press newberry and jenny bayless to talk stats welcome everyone great to see you guys great to be back again chris i assume by this point everyone knows everyone is on the podcast show so uh so yeah if you don't, go back to other podcast episodes, everyone. Go check out a few months back. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is our monthly update here. We go through trends. We go through the, a lot of times, the MLS trends or MLS data we get. We're gonna go through data for July. Since July is over, we're in August now. We'll go over the data for Springs, Denver, Pueblo. Actually, we'll go around then afterwards talk about what we're seeing in the market, what is working and what is not working. At this point, a lot of the market has accepted, or I should say some of the market accepted the new reality. So there's opportunity. Everyone is doing deals in the room with clients. Uh, some of us doing personal deals, yep. so there is potential out there, and we'll talk about that once we get through the stats. So to kick things off, Mr. Newberry with Envision Advisors, do you want to give us a high overview about the Denver market for July? Absolutely, and I think one of the big talking points is, is inventory. We're up
1: twenty two percent from last month, which. You know, considering this time last year, we had 4,100 active listings and now we're up to just about 7,400. I think that that's a, a big swing, right? We're still not where we would want to be for a balanced market, but considering what we've been through for the last couple of years, this is a, a good sign for for buyers, especially. Um, you know, I think year-to-date close count, we're down a little bit, which everybody expected just with everything that's going on in the world. But The reality is like Chris said, deals are still happening. There's still stuff going on out there. There's a lot of opportunity for buyers. And I think the biggest thing to take away from that is, you know, again, there's inventory to choose from. You've got an opportunity to look at some stuff, go home, think about it, come back and figure out, you know, what, what's going to make the most sense for you. Um, year to date prices are still up 14%, um, which I think is another big talking point. The real estate market is still moving along. Prices are still going up. They're not, you know, on the crazy trajectory they have been for the last couple of years, but, you know, about to what we'd expect for this market mm-hmm. and kind of historical averages. So um I think that's another another key
0: talking point there. So I want to, one thing I'm interested in seeing, I think we've, you kind of started bringing this up a couple months ago, Travis, is looking at those stats for Denver, we're up 11% from July of 21, 3% from uh last month, last month in June. Yep. So What are your guys' thoughts on, we've seen a lot of appreciation with the first four months this year or four months this year before the rates started going up, kind of starting to uh, damper the party. Are we going to be, I think we'll be up by the end of the year, but are we going to continue to see negative or flat growth for the rest of the year? I have, I'm too afraid to make like any predictions, but I'm really curious. Someone else is more brave than I am. Yeah, I guess if you go to 2023, and we spoke briefly about this last month,
2: I think your February, March, April, year over year will likely be down just because those sales prices were in some cases crazy, right? Hundreds of thousands over in some cases. And then as we start to flatten back out, I would imagine that by July- maybe August, September, that you would see a year-over-year increase, even if we're relatively flat or small increase from now until the end of the year. Um, uh, It'll be interesting to see what the spring brings, but surely
1: the numbers will look bad comparatively year over year. Well, and I think the other thing we have to take into account is we now have what looks to be seasonality back in our market again, right? Right. I mean, this is wait, we have what? What? Yeah, I know. Things <laughs> Slow down a little bit. Do you mean the, it's slow in July and August? Well, people that haven't been around for a while might not know, but yeah, it does get a little slower, you know, during <laughs> the summer. <laughs> um, so I think that's another big thing that people need to remember and kind of take into account. If you get rid of the last two years and kind of go back and look at the history, it's always historically going to be slower in June, July, and August. Once everybody's back in school, once the summer's, over things will pick back up again before the holidays yep. so i think that's the other thing that's at play here whenever we see these decreasing prices is also just market seasonality you're
0: exactly right jenny what do you see in the springs and public <laughs>
3: Yeah, so I, w- I think we're a little bit behind in terms of the stats. Like I would expect our stats to kind of emulate what Denver's seeing maybe next month. Maybe we need to catch up because um we have our new listings are down month over month from June to July, which I thought was kind of interesting is down about 13%. Um but just anecdotally it looks as if you know it, when I look on the MLS it just looks as if there's a lot of new listings coming up. Um, it looks as if they're staying a little bit you know, longer than what we've been seeing in the past couple months. Um, and then same story with median sales price. We're down month over month um, 2.5%, but we're still up 5% year over year for median, 10% for average. So kind of seeing things in the same realm as prices in Denver, but different in terms of um, inventory levels at this point.
0: What's the, uh, kind of the quick summary on Pueblo?
3: Yeah, same from what we've been, what we've been seeing. So yeah, I think, uh, Southern Colorado is a, is a little bit behind, um, the trend on Denver and I would expect it to, to mirror it, um, probably next month or the month after.
0: Cool. You know, one of the I wanted to mention here, I'm, I don't know if you have the stat for the Springs and Pueblo, Jenny, and I may have cut you off early Preston, but, uh, The average premium in July was 0.8%, meaning that the average close price of all the properties were still higher than the average list price in July, which I think is surprising to a lot of people. And definitely no uh, newspaper headlines make it seem like prices are still, or properties still going above list price on average. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too comes from
1: buyers being able to be a little bit more picky right now. Um, and we're seeing, you know, buyers having an opportunity to kind of be a little bit more selective about what they're going after and what parts of town they want to be in. Whereas before it was like, hey, there's five houses on the market. doesn't matter where they're at. Um, and so buyers are still willing to pay a premium for those places that really check off those boxes for that particular buyer, right? So now instead of just having to throw everything you've got at the wall to get a deal to stick, you're willing to pay extra for a place that's really going to be, you know, suit your needs a lot better.
4: And I think it's important to remember Six months ago, you would have had to pay 5%, 7% extra, and you're fighting against 15 other offers. Now you're going to pay 0.8%,
0: or maybe 2% or 3% extra, but you're only fighting against two other two, offers. Yep, it becomes exactly. a lot easier if you're a buyer. So, something I want to shift into now because we, we covered stats. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of what we expected. And I think we're all seeing some clients are have adapted to the new market. Mm-hmm. Some people are still on the sidelines or adjusting, but We've all done deals the last month. We all have, we're doing deals this month. So there's still opportunity out there. And and forward sh- uh, talking, you were sharing a story about what you did this weekend with clients and what you're gonna give us your like, what you're seeing in the market from like the day-to-day stuff out yeah, there. deals. absolutely.
1: Um, you know, like we were talking about before, uh, it, it's really kind of refreshing to be able to have a little bit more time with your clients to actually, you know, check some properties out, sleep on it. So, you know, for instance, this, this weekend, I had a couple clients clients uh, new to the market. This was the first weekend out with them. Um, and it was like, hey, we want to go check out some houses. All right, cool. We found four or five, went and checked them all out on Saturday. Sweet, now you can go home, sleep on it. Hey, we really like these two. Let's go back and take a look at them.
4: Were they the still available?
1: They were still there. Call the agent. Hey, what's activity been like? I've got like three showings today, no offers on the table. Like there's still some, you know, there's time, right? So cool. Now we're into Tuesday and we're getting ready to submit an offer today on a house that we saw on Saturday and it's still available and they don't have any other offers on it. So, you know, I think that's the refreshing thing from both, you know, an agent perspective and also a client perspective is you've got a little bit of time to breathe um, and be able to make the right
4: choice for, for your clients. So let me ask you a question. Take out the last five years, mm-hmm. the last 40 years minus the last five years, is that scenario you just described, has that been pretty common? From my experience in, in real estate before things got crazy, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of us and a lot of our listeners, the last five years feels like the normal time of you got to go look at a property, got to make a decision in 15 seconds. I'm getting a 2% rate. I'm putting 30% down and I'm bidding up the property and congratulations, I got a house. That is abnormal. What you just described is normal. That's the way it's always worked yep. up until the last five years. And for buyers and actually for sellers, I think that's a fully appropriate market. I absolutely agree. The it's, craziness we've had is not healthy. No, not
1: at all. It's not healthy for anybody. It's not healthy for the market. So I'm glad to see that things are finally kind of calming down a little bit and getting back to, you know, quote unquote, normal again.
0: Mm-hmm. But are we seeing things calm down? And I'm uh, part of these questions as I uh, get together my my daughter and a bunch of like talking to their uh, parents out there. And, you know, it's, I always enjoy talking to people outside kind of like our real estate bubble, uh, cause we're all seeing, you know, we're, we're in this, we have a certain mindset and then these are just, you know, I'll say average, you know, yeah. retail buyers not investing It's kind of hearing their commentary on the market and, and they don't know I'm in real estate. Um, I was just sitting there listening and, you know, hanging out. And I mean, they were in panic still just like, Oh my gosh, the <laughs> price the are world is going interest is going up. So a lot of people well, are thinking at, that out the there is headlines like, they see, yeah, but how do we, how do we say this? Like, great, we can go out there and see properties, but is that because we're top of the market? We'll see prices fall. It's a horrible time to buy. Like that is some people's mentality right now. And, but that was our same mentality three years ago. Everyone always thinks we're at the top of the market. Yeah. You know what's interesting is we we
2: always
1: are at the top of the market. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) When we were looking at the DMAR stats before we went uh, on
2: recording here, it showed that year over year in July, the prices were average and median, prices were up by 10%, basically, right? And we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, is this representative of when rates have been up? So if you've contracted in the last 45 days before the closing, maybe mid-May, early June. So even though the first part of the year was crazy, actually, year over year, we're still higher, right? And we'll probably see that even if we went flat, we'd still be higher than we were last year and so i think that the interest rates as joe said earlier before we went on interest rates are interesting because i was asking what's the difference in payment you know between four and five percent rate you know and i don't know that it's that many dollars and so it's really interesting of what you're when you get tied to the rate and not think about the payment right i mean we've talked about a lot of times everybody has to move because you have a bigger family divorce relocation death whatever it is um transactions have to transact. Uh, of course the volume's down, which is pushing to more inventory, but as we're all noting, is a little bit more comfortable for our clients.
1: Well, and that's interesting, Travis, because, um, the other day I was talking, uh, actually, I think it might've been with you guys as well, but, uh, about how many new cars have been purchased in the last three years. Right. Yeah. And what, what is interesting to me is when you go in to buy a new car, they ask you, what do you want your payment to be? Not what mm-hmm. your interest rate's going to be. Right. <laughs> and so it's the complete opposite theory and mentality than what we see in real estate right now. And it's like, cool. You go into a car dealership. I want my payment to be $500. Okay, cool. We'll figure out the interest rate. And we, now we know what you're willing to pay and we'll make sure your payments that even though you're going to pay $10,000 more for the car now. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you go to buy a house, everyone's so focused on the interest rate and not the payment. Yeah. Yep. Interesting.
4: I want to ask you guys a question. So Lon and I put together um, a national real estate trends presentation Mm -hmm. that we've been given for about, about a month now. And so over the last 30 years, there's been six times that there's been a rate shock in the United States economy. And we just find that as interest rates going up by greater than 1% in a period of less than six months. So six times there's been a rate shock. All right. When that happens, we all expect that's going to make activity go down, prices go down, et cetera. Over the last six times, there's been a rate increase of greater than a point. What do you think has happened to home prices over those last six times? I mean, I would speculate they probably continue to grow. That's exactly right. So the average, if you have a 1% increase in your interest rate over the following 12 months, homes continue to appreciate by 8% on average. Now, what happens to the volume and the number of sales when you have a rate shock? It's going to go down. Goes down. Yeah. On average, goes down by 11%. All right. What are we experiencing right now? The market's off, what, 25% in the number of transactions. This historical data, and historical data is not proof of what's going to happen, but home volume transactions or volume of transactions is down 20%. There's high likelihood that values are going to continue to go up. Mm -hmm. To me, that is an opportunity for the people that are still buying because that 25% reduction in transactions, that means there's less competition. There's less homes being sold. Likely that home prices are going to continue to go up. If I have less competition and I can buy a property right now, likely to continue to go up, guess what I'm doing? Buying property buying real
2: estate. Yep. Yeah. I think the other piece that sometimes we miss from the investor side is that rents are going up significantly faster than we know. Yeah. Also again, a trailing indicator, but I'm seeing stuff in Green Valley Ranch right now f- three bedrooms for under 450 in some cases. And I'm wondering with some price reductions, if there's an opportunity to go in there and do a little bit better. And on a three bedroom out there, you're probably getting 24, 25 hundred bucks a month. And if you could squeeze into a four bedroom, you're probably getting closer to 27, 28 hundred bucks a month. And even close to three grand, I e- think. Now. Yeah, in some mm-hmm. cases, 3,000. Out
0: there, something in the 3,000 Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and uh, I was actually talking with my property manager last week and he indicated that uh, even Section 8 rents right now are less than market rents. You know, for so long, Mm -hmm. they were just a little little bit better. Um, So which is interesting because in some of these areas where traditionally we may have rented to Section 8, Montbello, Green Valley Ranch, you might actually get more than that with a non-Section 8 tenant. I have both uh, in my portfolio. Don't really, doesn't really matter either way to me, but uh, it's just interesting that I think that from an investment standpoint, it's hard to understand how fast rents are going up and uh even though more inventory is available, he might have a chance to exchange out of something, maybe you sell a dog in the portfolio. If you've got good equity, turn around and go put that down on two or three other properties and uh probably still even cash flow a little
4: bit. Yep. Particularly you're thirty percent down, you can cash flow for sure. Jenny, what do you think? Yeah.
3: I think that it's kind of an interesting dynamic um, in that I still think it's a good time for investors to buy investment properties because if we're talking about there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the market for buyers, um, I would expect that they would kind of pump the brakes and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to rent another year and just kind of see what happens. Um, And, you know, that's kind of I've had so many um, lease renewals this year. Um, you know, just kind of even raising rent uh, modestly um, as well, because I think people that would have qualified to buy or, you know, I suspected might be interested in buying. They renewed um, because I think of the uncertainty.
2: Actually, uh, to your point, um, I'm financing a fourplex for a buyer in Pueblo uh, later this month. And Market rents are like fourteen hundred dollars a unit and it was currently rented at like nine hundred bucks a unit. And we're literally talking probably five thousand per unit flooring paint, turn them over. Uh and in some cases, they don't even do that, they'll just give them the lease renewal and they know they can't go anywhere else, so they just pay it without doing the work. So uh some of the rents in Springs and Pueblo, uh I well, Pueblo in some cases the rents are rivaling the springs, you're probably seeing, right? And uh Mm -hmm. at a significantly lower purchase price. So it's it's the rents right now are something I think you have to be really in tune with two ways. One, if you're looking to buy a property, of course, but two, if you've been owning rental property for a while, there's a high likelihood that you're probably significantly under-rented I agree. versus yep. market.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree about the under-rented. I mean, uh, Jenny and I are really ramping up like uh, the portfolio analysis service we're doing and like as property almost also been built out. And the number one issue we see as we start looking at people's portfolio is they are really far into rent. Not yeah. just by like, you know, one year from what right. we'll you said, like yeah, yeah. a $500 difference. Yeah. Like you
2: can't make that up in one increase. Yeah. So you're, you're effectively gonna be behind for either, you give them a big increase and they move and you turn it over, or you try to chip away at it. But when the rents are continuing to move up, you just can't catch up. You're always chasing it. Yeah. Yep.
0: And so on that, like on that note, like yeah, everyone should review their their rents, their leases, you know, go to Zillow, talk to your property manager, but like get some real rental data uh, because that's a huge opportunity there for current portfolios and also buying new properties. We're mm-hmm. seeing just everyone's paying big spikes in rent. And on that note, if anyone has like a portfolio of properties plug in a property llama, go analyze it. Jenny and I and the team are happy to sit there, and look at things as well. But we're having a lot of success uh, looking at people's portfolios and seeing opportunities. Well, one of you guys said just, hey, good time to sell a dog or just sell a property that's, hey, you know what? this kind of like the least favorite one or, man, that property is just cursed. Um, great time to reposition that. Uh, also seeing a good opportunity, especially for a lot of primary residences, putting HELOCs on oh, houses right now. Doing that I think you just closed on yours last week, right? Yep. I closed on mine two months ago, but like, I think it's a great time for people to take a HELOC in their primary. Um, and that be, way, when there's opportunity, you, you're yep. ready to take advantage of it, right? I agree. Yeah, for sure. So I'd like to go around here because we started talking about this before we record on here. Just kind of like some of the current deals you're seeing. Jenny, uh, I'll just put you on the spot and start with you. Uh, just kind of give us a quick uh, high level on good opportunities you're seeing in Denver, I'm sorry, in Springs and Pueblo. Uh, so people have an idea for just like, you know, cap rates and good, good opportunities in asset classes.
3: Yeah. So I have to uh, phone a friend on this one because I took the last month off. So I I picked Leah's brain to see what she was working on. Um, So she's got quite a few fourplexes under contract. She's got a lot Um, going on down there. Yeah. She's doing amazing and just finding people some really good opportunities. And um, probably my favorite deal she has going on right now is a fourplex, um, on the North side of town and the buyers are planning on turning it into a medium term rental, um, similar to, uh, one of the podcasts that she and I had done, um, a couple, couple months back. So they're going to just emulate that strategy and, um, you know, turn it into a, a corporate rental, which it's really poised for. Okay. That's
0: great. What about yeah. the Springs?
3: In in Pueblo?
0: No, in the Springs. Like, what do you see in the Springs as well? No, I think. Oh, I was so in the that Springs. that was. Oh, Springs. that was. In yeah. the Springs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I you were saying yeah. I was in Pueblo. Okay.
3: Yeah, yeah. So in Pueblo, just kind of the same thing. I think single family homes are, you know, really ripe for uh, for picking down there. So um, we're seeing we're seeing some properties that are you know pr- providing pretty good cash flow. Um, so if that's you know if people are looking to enter the market. At that lower price point, want to just get into a Colorado market? I really recommend peeking down there.
0: What's kind of like the the entry level price point in Pueblo?
3: High one hundreds, yeah, high one hundreds for for a nicer single family home, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. and and kind of to what Travis was mentioning earlier, um, you know, just with rents rivaling Colorado Springs in Pueblo. um, I mean, I. I rented my, um, three bed home for $1,500 a month, which I think, you know, a couple of years ago, you would have said that was nuts for, for Pueblo. Um, and it was rented in a day. So I, I probably could have asked for more. Um, it's kind of how I read that. So, um, that's very, you know, kind of similar to some p- parts of Colorado Springs right now.
0: Yeah, Joe. What are you seeing? You, uh, I think you were the one talking about a, a duplex. Show up a client. Yeah, uh, I'm, finance I'm last month. Th-
4: I'm trying to think of which deal I want to talk about. Um, so I just had a client close two weeks ago. She purchased a duplex in Lakewood for 800, and rents on each side is 3200 and 3200, <laughs> so 6400 a month. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So, and it's like a five nine to six percent cap. Anybody want to guess where she found it? Uh don't say me, MLS. Me, me, MLS. MLS on the MLS. <laughs> yep. On the MLS. It's a sweet deal. I mean, that's one I know of. I've got another one that they're under contract for a house plus an ADU in 80219. They're in a contract at 345. And that will net greater than a thousand dollars a month after all expenses, cash flow. Um, I've got another one that they were able to get the property fifty thousand dollars under list price. It's out in the eastern plains and an appraised for twenty five thousand dollars above list price. Um, I'm seeing clients that are taking advantage of the market and not afraid to get in for long-term investing. They're finding great opportunities for cash flow, great opportunities for appreciation. <clears throat> they understand could things go down, maybe I don't think they're going to, but over the course of the next 10 years, they're going to be really happy. Yeah, if you're going to hold it for 5 years, yep, if you're if- looking to buy a property for a year, don't do it. Don't do it. No, right. Never do it. No, never, sure. never do it. This year or last year, don't do it for yeah, one year. Don't ever do it five for year. year. But if you have a five to 10 year hold period, this is an exceptional opportunity to make money right now.
0: So, with those uh, properties, are, were they all investments or? Mm-hmm. All okay. three of those were investments. Are they kind of still 25% down or people mm-hmm. wouldn't put that more on 20, those? Uh, all three of those were 25%. Down. Okay.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, that's. But I've got another one. She's buying a property in Arvada. It's uh, 600 and f- actually closed this morning. $650,000 purchase. She did 15% down. She's going to do short term. Airbnb, and mm-hmm.
0: it'll cash flow significantly. Yeah. And that's another, like, we've talked about on another podcast, but people want more cash flow, yeah. self-manage, rent room by room, mm-hmm. do short-term rental, do medium-term rental. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm not really willing to do any of those, <laughs> um, but that's why I don't, uh, yeah. but I'm fine with that. I'm like, cool. I don't want to do that. That's not my area of specialties. Uh, I don't want to- put a long-term renter and yeah. move on. And yep. I'm, I'm fine with that lower cash flow, because um, I don't deal with that headache. For I mean, sure. I'm a bad investor. I just know what I want and what I don't want. And I don't want to deal with that. You know what's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, cool. So if people come and say, I want cash flow. Great. Here are options. If you don't want to do those options, then don't do them. No, but you cannot have Stop your complaining. cake and eat it yeah. too. <laughs> so I just wanted to point it out because that's great. People are not 25%. Numbers are working. I'm sure they're slightly different than they were six months ago. Mm-hmm. But it still makes sense. Yeah. They're still making money. Yeah. What are you seeing, Travis? Do the fourplex in Pueblo. Yeah. Um, what else you have going s- on? New cons- Quite a bit of new
2: construction, still financing that, uh, high-end spec homes. Um, You know, I I don't want to say that segment goes untouched, but it's definitely a different buyer than the 500,000. A lot of the stuff trades in cash. Um, I think that our lending is still at a pretty good uh, leverage from a loan to cost standpoint, and it's attractive. So still seeing flips, um, that makes sense. Uh, Also on the DSCR side for us, seeing people still doing refinances. Maybe they've bought it with uh, hard money, did the repairs, kind of doing the burr and refinancing into a DSCR loan you know, the rates are a little higher than conventional, but uh it just kind of makes sense for some people. So people are still transacting, no question about yep. it. Uh We had our biggest month at Renovo in Colorado last month at $10 million uh, in loans originated. Dude, congratulations. Yeah, thank nice. you. So it's that was great. solid. And then this month, you know, we'll be a little lighter than that, but I'm also starting to see more multifamily stuff, which is interesting as, as we, before we hit record, we're talking a little bit about, and this might fit the commercial podcast a tad more, but um, I think that you're going to see more multifamily opportunities because there's less people that can um, operate there now, mostly because in order to hit the debt service coverage ratios where the money was a little looser, three, four five months ago, rates were lower. So I think that you're getting away with some lower uh, DSCR, but now a little more strict and hitting like a one, two on a multifamily. and it requires a lot of dough down to do that. So there's less people. It's not to say they're not good deals. They just require a little more money into them. Um, so I've seen a handful of those in the last couple of weeks, like just getting an opportunity to see them. Uh, and it's it's interesting in some pretty solid parts mm-hmm. of
0: town. Uh, I think Jenny and I were talking with a client yesterday and he was uh, being opportunistic on looking for multifamilies that might be in like a short term or a bridge loan, you know, maybe gotten to mm-hmm. like six to 12 months ago when yeah. the world was very different. I do you have any sense, and maybe Joey, I and mean you used to do commercials, well, do you guys have any sense for like how much that might create opportunity for investors or maybe turn those bridge loans into distressed sellers? Like, hey, I can't pencil anymore or just you know, bad things happen. I don't have a way to quantify that, nor do I know that you're very well, but I thought it was a very interesting comment, but I have no way to like. I think uh, we we touched on this
2: previously uh, today, but uh, not on the recording. When people were entering multifamily deals at high leverage, say 90% loan to cost, which is the type of loan that we would provide, and then they've stabilized it and they go for the refinance, even if they got their rents, maybe at or above what they were performing, the rates have come up to a point and the DSCR has gotten to a point where in order to get that refinance done, it may require more equity. So I don't think it's a bad play in that somebody was in a one, two, three year bridge loan on a multifamily especially, it may not pencil on the back end. So now they might be more willing to sell it than they will have gone for the refinance because of the additional equity it would require. But at the same time, I don't think we've seen cap rate expansion in a way that you think you're gonna walk in and get a deal. Yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. there's still enough money to play that downstroke on the for sale side. That I don't, I don't want to say there wouldn't be anybody who's eager to sell, but I don't know that it would be like a like you would steal the property by any means. I think
4: the concept is a neat idea, but how are you going to find those people? Right? How are you going to find somebody that has that bridge loan that is overextended that can't refinance? It's a neat. I I I, I don't think it's a huge segment of the market. And I like the idea, but it's not, it's, I would find it difficult to execute on it. How are you going to get that information?
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, I don't have the answer, but I mean, you know, brokers obviously control a lot that, you know, the commercial multifamily. I think they're going to be plugged into it, but again, it goes back to like those deals or go to like the brokers sees investors in like 20 deals with. Right. That's Um, what I mean. I yeah. can show you how to find that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I'm saying like, but that's kind of like, is like, is it worth you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? really like, right. like a big campaign? I, I have no idea. But was uh, a very interesting comment. For sure. I just have no like reality with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any way to like track like we uh, don't get the data from to track it. I don't think. Well, I don't know how you would find it.
4: I mean, unless who do you have that's about to default? Can I call uh, them? No, no.
0: I, <laughs> I do know
2: some of those, but um, I, there's actually some ways that you can search through. Um, I don't know, give all the secrets away, but uh, where you can search by lender through some different platforms for relatively inexpensive. So if you were able to identify, say, the top ten bridge lenders in your market. And you could even include, say, somebody like First Bank as an example because they do some bridge financing, right? So mm-hmm. so private, hard, and maybe regional banks. You could identify those. There are ways that you could search against that by a uh, minimum number of bedrooms, square footage, mm-hmm. zoning, like some different things like that. The problem with that data is because it's all ultimately extracted from public record is that it's not always super clean, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you they're all aggregators. So you're trying to pull that information out, and I just don't think,
1: is it actionable? Yes. Is it scalable? Probably not. Okay. Yeah. And is it worth putting the time and energy into when you can just go to the MLS? Right.
0: Right. And even if you don't, so, you know, if you don't do that specific campaign, just kind of like to quit it to like a wave of foreclosures, which we don't expect to happen in the residential world. You don't see any like big wave of like, oh my gosh, all these bridge loans are coming due and all these buyers from a year ago are.
2: I think you would actually be, rather than that specific target that we were just discussing, you'd be better to go search for a deal size that you want and go direct to owner rather than uh, for somebody who's owned it for however many years, higher chance of getting an owner finance deal, mm-hmm. higher chance of getting a better price, higher chance of uh, multiple multiple properties and a takedown schedule or something like that, rather than looking for the distress sell in a time where they'll probably figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. And something maybe, maybe the client meant as well is just that there's likely going to be less people pursuing that asset. If, if it were to go on the open market, for example, if everyone else is kind of in a bind where they don't have enough equity to put down, for instance, in that case, you know, maybe he, he would be positioned to jump on it and 18 other people aren't uh, following behind as well. So, you know, that could be, that could be an interesting point.
0: Yeah. Great point. Definitely a great idea.
3: So Preston, you're the last man at the table. The last one what, standing. What are you? Uh,
0: what are you seeing out there?
1: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, I'm. Last week, we ended up uh, looking at some single family stuff. Um, still in the mid fives on cap rate, which I think is awesome. Price points around 600 to 650. Um, uh, we got a fourplex under contract this weekend that was just under a six cap over in Lakewood for like $850,000. Um, <clears throat> walked to 12 unit yesterday, uh, still around a mid five cap. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. Where I think now that rents are starting to turn a little bit and there's some upside on that side, but I think we're going to see cap rates, you know, at least getting a little bit better. I don't think it's going to be huge, but it's going to be enough to justify, you know, okay, cool. If I put 30% down, We've got cash flow now. And, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to not be upset about it. Yep. I know we're using the term cap rate relatively
2: loosely on one through four family. I feel like you're going to see more of an expansion there in the near term because of the sales approach as a value versus five plus. I don't think we're seeing as much expansion. Absolutely. In cap rates, you agree? Yep. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that way, but...
2: Yeah, because, I mean, you're really looking at the purchase price in that scenario, right? The yeah. purchase prices are coming down, so your effective cap rate is, is going up on one through four, but five plus, I still think that we're not seeing enough expansion in that space to to warrant a deal, if you will.
0: Yeah. But I mean, th- historically, you probably won't see an expansion. I mean, I think in that same slide deck, you and Lon or any different one, there's that cap rate, and like they... What, it's like one tenth of a point they trade. There is
4: no correlation between increased or decreased interest yeah. rates and the change in cap rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what, within the margin of error. Okay. It.
0: But
2: it's it's crazy because they compressed so well, it felt like fast. We're not seeing an expansion even at higher rates, which makes sense uh, historically. But. It requires more capital to do the deals. So now you're talking about in some cases, 35, 40% down to make something cash flow. So then you ask yourself, well, is it a deal? I mean, like if you have to put that much down, but what if you're coming from an exchange, you're getting rid of three dogs in your property just to get something that's easier to manage Mm -hmm. or you're a big institution or you've raised money to buy these assets. I I think there's gonna continue to be buyers at what would be the market cap right now, but likely to lower loan to value.
0: I mean, if I had a quarter million dollars right now to plunk down, I get like it's higher leverage, like less returns, but I would still rather put down 35% a piece of real estate than throw it in the stock market right now. Oh, for sure. Um, Or an NFT or whatever it is. Like, I mean, like I get the, it's higher down payment, but it's like, again, where else do you place the money? There's not a whole lot of attractive assets right now. Yeah. Um, and a, a higher down payment real estate is still very attractive to me.
2: I did see that uh, real estate in the metaverse was down sixty five percent or something. Uh,
0: is over it the... real estate if it's in the metaverse? Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's for maybe people. that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I think we got to get on the trend and start a whole new podcast on the, on metaverse real estate, man. We got to right. we got to get with it. I don't get that concept. How have, the hell are people buying nothing. buying real estate in the metaverse? It's like like uh, Sim City, real? Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. But what would I know? <laughs> Let me check my. Bitcoin. Okay, can I finance with you, Joe? No, I, I'm I'm buying a beautiful beachfront property in the you know Facebook. What? Yes, <laughs> I will be
4: happy to finance your Bitcoin real estate ventures with 100 down.
0: Yeah. Um. So as we're talking about some some deals, here, we're seeing the market. Um, Jenny, Preston, myself, and Leah last couple of weeks have been talking about because we're seeing you know, more deals as we spent the last 15 minutes talking about. And Jenny, when you launched the Springs Market Force about two years ago now, two years ago now, one of the ways you launched it was through doing like a Colorado Springs uh, deal uh, alert. We got lots of great feedback, lots of people interested. uh, And now since the market has shifted, we're seeing that we're actually going to start bringing that back. And not just for Springs, but for all deals, you know, Denver, Pueblo Springs and the random we see here and there all across the state. Um, So we are getting that rolled out right now. There should be a link in the show notes. For some reason, there is not. Email me or email Jenny, and we'll definitely get you the link. Uh, but we're coming across deals. We're starting to have you know a lot more conversations with owners. Like, hey, if you have a buyer at this price point, bring them to me. Yeah. Or here's my situation. So we're seeing a lot more uh, properties right now. And right now, we have a lot of clients who are snatching them up. But I have a feeling that as things balance out, we're going to see a lot more deals, and we want to we want to help people find them. Yeah, there's opportunity there. So let's go take advantage of it. Yeah. all right ladies and gentlemen, uh, any other stats, comments, uh, mindset tips, anything you want to cover out here today?
4: Uh, You know, the big thing I will say is my most sophisticated investors see this as an opportunity. So if you're listening and you're on the fence, you're not sure. um, I can give you miles and miles of stats, but the most important thing I can tell you is the testimonials of my people that are buying properties. They know that this is a great opportunity. I would 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that
2: uh, one thing to keep in mind is that every deal is on its own. I had someone call me last week and he says, "What are you seeing? And I'm like, well, I'm seeing people do this and do this and do this And he's got like five deals that are all kind of in different stages of rehab. And the last line I said to him, but nothing that I just said may fit your exact scenario And you know, he laughed, but that's it was right. like, you know he had a house that was on a busy street that's not selling. He had another one that he just so gonna uh, get permits on or whatever right. So it's yeah. like, it's like even though like in my own neighborhood, you know, two houses went on last weekend and they both went on, uh, under contract the f- same weekend while similarly priced houses a block over aren't selling, right? So it's like everything that we talk about is i guess kind of high level, but it really depends on your deal, your location, your goals and and your ability to to operate. So it's a great point. Yep, it's a
0: great point. Yep. Yeah. All right, so everyone out there, if you got questions, let us know. All these stats are in the show notes. If you need more details or references, email all of us, we're happy to help. Uh, Jenny, reach out to Jenny for investing in Pueblo and Springs. Reach out to Preston and me for investing in Denver. Reach out to Travis for creative ways to finance deals. Reach out to Joe for permanent financing. Everyone's contact details are in the show notes. Um, so do not uh, be hesitant about contacting people, but just if you want to get in the market, go out there and do it. Like the mindset is to go out there and look for opportunity. It's going to be a little scary right now. Yes, it is. But data backs you up. If you long-term horizon, you know, you have a very high success, very high chance of making a great investment. And plus there's just opportunity out there now. So get with that and don't just read the headlines out there. Yeah. So everyone, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank
3: you.